Okay, welcome to another round of Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. Jonathan Max is back with me. What up? If you still uh, don't know how to play too bad, basically try to figure out what game uh, we're playing music from. That's that's the gist of it. It's easy. Yeah, and if you lose, no one will know. It's like name that tune. Except we bet that you can guess this game in 2,000 notes. <laughs> yeah, you get more hints, I guess. We also even give you a, a question to help you out. I think the name that tune reference is probably lost on most people who go to our <sighs> website. That's a shame. Like even, I watched it when I was a kid on probably USA Network or whatever. It's what? a, it's an old game show from the seventies though. So even when I was a kid, it was twenty years old. Yeah, was it doing? They were doing reruns when they were showing. Yeah. It? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's an old show. Yeah. I don't. Know, I used to like watching older shows, like at night time too. I loved. I was such a. I was so obsessed with game shows when I was a kid. I would watch anything. I'd watch <laughs> Password from the fifties. I mean, I didn't care. You know. I remember using to watch like the Pyramid or whatever. What was the one? Is that the one where? Am I thinking of the right with thing? With Dick Clark. I think so. Yeah, I, that one. I don't know. I never liked that one very much. It, it was something about it. It's very eighties, very eighties styled, <laughs> and um, it just it moves very quickly, but there's not a whole lot of substance to it. Yeah, I, I, I can... Okay. Yeah. Well, this one has substance, damn it. So, let's get oh, started. Oh, yeah, dude. We, we've got substance to burn. So let's burn it. first song. Now you get another
So have you figured it out yet, Johnny? I have no idea, man. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, we have a question. Uh, actually, this one might help you out. Uh, which mode found in its N64 counterpart was completely omitted from this game? confess, I keep crawling back to this game. I, I probably used it way too many times in, in Radio Trivia. But uh, until someone deletes them from my hard drive, I'm just going to keep on using this game. <laughs> um, any ideas what it is? Well, based more on the question than the uh, music, I'm going to guess Diddy Kong Racing. Oh no, it's Mario Golf Toadstool Tour for the GameCube. Oh, okay. I was thinking it would be it would would have been like a port from N sixty four, and in that case, it would have to be a, a DS game. Right. Well, okay. I, I, it, well, I don't know. Tootsie was almost a port of <laughs> uh, Mario Golf for the N sixty four. I mean, it's definitely built upon it. Yeah. So then the 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 answer to the question, then what mode was missing from the N sixty four version, would be like the the RPG mode, right? No, the RPG mode was in the. Uh, the handheld versions. What was missing in this one, and I know you know this, Johnny, because you asked them about it, is mini golf. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a okay. uh, the N64 version had like a putt putt golf, where the courses were in the shape of like numbers and letters and stuff, and it was a really fun diversion. At least I thought so. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, it was the one where you could like smash on the buttons on the other controllers to taunt the right. person who was trying to putt. Right, and the you totally screw up, so they hit it really hard, or they, and like goes flying. Mario out. said one thing that sounded like a like a racial slur. I don't. Didn't he? 
I would not be surprised, uh, but... I mean, it's, that's not what he was saying, but it was, like, kind of so... It was so weird the way he said it. He said... I don't remember exactly... I don't even remember what slur it was. I just remember my friends and I being shocked <laughs> when we heard it. We were like, did he just say that? And we played it again, and there was a lot of argument, like, no, I don't think he said it. And, you know, one of the guys would say, like, dude, I think he really did say that. And I'm like, no, Nintendo wouldn't do that. It was it was ambiguous. Let's put it that way. It was just strange. <laughs> well, I know some people uh, even get confused with Mario sixty four when he says like "Let's go," because he says it. It sounds like Lego or something something else. You know, when you you start playing a level. Yeah. Oh, I used to know a guy who every time Mario would say that, he would echo it, except except he would say it exactly the same way, but replace the words with. Um, with slurs for Italian Americans, which is not hard to do. It, it rhymes. <laughs> I'll put it that way. This was this one happened to be uh, someone I know. Would it? Um, I'm not. I'm not going to point any fingers. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Um, let's move over to the second second game then. Which, 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 by the way, the game sucks. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Actually, I, I don't really remember this game very well, but <laughs> second game. Actually, quite atmospheric there. Mm-hmm. Nothing else to add. 
Nothing else to add. It is actually quite atmospheric. Is that way, Johnny? That way. Lots of drums. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think you had a question here. Oh, yeah. Okay. What was the name of this game's multiplayer-only spinoff? Ah, uh, spinoffs. Spinoffs.
Well, uh, Stephen and I did a South Park a few weeks ago, and we were joking about how all the songs sound exactly the same. <laughs> but uh, I think in this game, all the songs really do sound exactly the same. Well, I mean, it's just they're they're all of a similar style for sure. But it's you know, it's just the way the the song selection went. We've used this before, so we tried to use different songs than the ones I used last time, which was probably a couple years ago. So it's just the way it shook out. Yeah, even though I, I previous game was Mario Golf Toadstool, which I probably used like five months ago and had the same exact songs probably. <laughs> <laughs> I just care more about it than you do, man. <laughs> well, the the uh, the game, of course, is Turok Dinosaur Hunter, and it's not a crappy game, as you said. It's actually, yeah, I, I mean, graphically, it probably doesn't hold up very well these days. But at the time, it was pretty amazing. Um, obviously, it's famous for, for the fog, you know, the really terrible draw distance. But other than that, the game looks pretty incredible for, like, a like almost a launch title for N64. And, yeah, what, um, what's more, it was actually pretty popular in the day, which is really hard for an N64 game that isn't published by Nintendo. I know, it was really the, the first major third-party hit on N64. They and did very many. well, obviously. They made four games for the system just from this one series. <laughs> and it kind of energized it. it. This game supposedly saved Acclaim from dying. For a few Or years. at least put it off for a few years. Yeah. Um, I, I like Turok. I loved it back in the day. I mean, I haven't played it in years, and maybe now I wouldn't like it as much, but I thought it was a cool game. It had some 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 nasty platforming that shouldn't have been in there, but the the actual shooting action and the exploration and everything was fun. There was it. platforming in in the first person game. Yeah, exactly. I, I bet. I wonder if uh, Metroid Prime kind of looked at Turok and they said how not to do it then. Yeah, they probably did. The problem with Turok was that you had to jump on these pillars that were very small. Um, it didn't have the kind of look down thing when you jump that Metroid right. Prime does, and they had this weird thing where if you were moving forward, if you were moving diagonally while you jump, you could go a lot farther than you could if you just jumped forward or sideways. Oh, it's like one of those things where you have a set speed going in any one direction on the axis. So if yeah, you do it's weird. axis yeah. 1 plus axis 2, you get to go whatever, side yeah. 1 squared but plus side 2 But this was built into the game. It was, this wasn't like a bug. It was built into the level design. So there were places where you had to do this crazy <laughs> diagonal jump just to get from one pillar to the next. And... It's brutal. It's really brutal. So you don't I mean, even get to see your feet. Good. They intentionally make it so you have to jump while you're not looking in that direction. That's right. <laughs> it's it's bad design, obviously. Bad bad platforming shouldn't be in there. But the shooting is is good, man. The uh, the weapons are still amazing. I mean, the weapon design, the the enemy AI was quite good. It was much much better in Turok 2. Like really advanced stuff that. I don't know, I don't play a lot of PC shooters, but in, in the console shooters that I've played in the past few years, I'll say there are things going on in Turok 2 from the AI standpoint that you still don't see mm. in console games, that are still more advanced than the stuff that they put in Halo or whatever. That's my opinion. I you know I don't play a lot of first-person shooters nowadays, so maybe I'm just behind the times, but it was some impressive stuff. But that's off-topic. So... Uh... You mentioned there were four games that were on the N64 for Turok. One of them was a spin-off. What was, uh, what was the well, spin-off's name? There was Turok 1, 
Turok 2, which was like gigantic levels, really amazing graphics for N64, but uh, the save feature was kind of broken, and that, that made it very frustrating to play. But otherwise, I think it's a, a pretty incredible game. Turok 3 went went back to like much smaller levels, very narrow, it's very linear, it gets into this bizarre sci-fi narrative that like was left open-ended and they never did finish the story basically. Um, but Turok 3 is still good, I think 2 is more impressive though. Um, and then there was also one called Rage Wars, which was this kind of multiplayer only um, Quake 3 style arena shooter. And I, I technically there was a single player game, but it was exactly like the multiplayer game against bots. Ah. So there's no there's no like story mode or adventure mode. There's no no levels to explore. It's all just battle arenas. You against three or four other guys. Not good value for your money. Yeah, and I think Turok Two had a really fun multiplayer mode, and I think the idea with Rage Wars was to just kind of expand on that, but. And, and I, they did expand on it. I'm not sure that they made it better, but the main problem was it was a full-price game, multiplayer only, and it wasn't that much different from the multiplayer in Turok 2. Hmm. You know, so it just wasn't a good deal, and it and it sold really poorly. Right, and everyone already had Goldeneye by that things. time, probably. Yeah, and it definitely can't compete with Goldeneye. Huh. Yeah. So that's Turok, Dinosaur Hunter for the N64. That's Turok, Dinosaur Hunter. This third game uh, was actually chosen by one of our listeners, and uh, he didn't as promised. As promised, and uh, he didn't specify if he wanted uh, his name revealed. So I'm going to leave it anonymous. But uh, if he wants to poke up in the forums and say, "Hey, it was me," uh, he can do so. And I think this was a fun choice, but um, we'll see how it goes. Pay attention to the first song. <laughs> Does it cut off there because that's all there is? Yep. Well. You can try again with the song number two. (laughs) That's it. That's song two. Any ideas, Johnny? Yeah. I think you're probably right. Uh, here's the third one, which is actually a real Wait, song. Wait, is there no question? Oh, there is a question. I'm sorry. What is the name of your primary communications device in this game? Thank <laughs> you. 
Johnny, what is the game? <laughs> well, my my first guess was going to be Mario Paint, because I thought maybe these were Mario uh, songs that, an interesting that idea. your your contributor composed in Mario Paint, and that's why they were only like ten seconds long. <laughs> you know, there's a, a time limit on how much you could compose in that game. That would have been really funny, except I, I don't think I would have accepted that, just because no one else would have that song in their game. But <laughs> that is a very funny idea. Well, I I mean, that's really what I was thinking it was until the hint question. And uh, from that, all I can guess is, like, something obscure like Mario is missing. Oh, you didn't recognize this third song. Wow. No. Uh, it's Luigi's Mansion. Oh, really? Yeah. The original idea was um, to have all three be classic Mario songs. There are uh, There's this one ghost you have to capture... That's a pianist, and she plays the first two two tracks oh. uh, as like quizzes before you fight her. You have to say, "Well, what does this remind you of?" And and the first one is whatever running. There are three answers. One you're supposed to select is running. And so, what does this remind you of? And you're supposed to say swimming or water. See the the that passed through my mind at one point, but I threw it out pretty quickly because the third song was based on the Bowser theme. Or it had I elements. Didn't hear, of I didn't the hear the Bowser theme in there at all. I heard I heard part of the melody, and well, I mean, maybe it's not actually there, but that's what I heard. That's how I interpreted oh. it. And I thought, well, Bowser's not in Luigi's Mansion whatsoever, so it, he's really not. Don't tell me the final boss is Bowser. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I threw that idea out. So oh. well, uh, it is uh, Luigi's Mansion. I don't believe you. You're a liar. It's the Luigi's Mansion. You didn't hear that da 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 in in the uh, Game Boy Horror, which was the name of which is actually uh, the answer to the question. Oh yeah, that was before Mario and Luigi started carrying DSs all the time. <laughs> That's right. This was Game Boy Color, Game Boy Horror, but GBA was out by then, wasn't it? It actually was, yeah. But I think during the time that they started making the, uh, you remember when they first showed the Luigi's Mansion demo was at Space World Two Thousand. That's that, true. That was before GBA came out. You know, can you can you think of another game, uh, a console game where a character has a Game Boy Color? A Game Boy Color. Oh, my, I'd have to guess something like a Pokemon Stadium game, but I don't. I can't really tell for sure. No, Conker's Bad Fur Day. Oh. If, if you he he has a lot of idle animation animations, but one of them, if you just set the controller down for about sixty seconds. He'll pull out a Game Boy Color and start playing, I think, Conker's Pocket Tales on it. <laughs> <laughs> I own that game, believe it or not. Conker's Bad Fur Day is an, is an interesting game, and I like a lot of things about it. I hate a lot of things about it, too, but yeah. it's a very interesting game. Did they update to a, that to a DS when they remade it for the Xbox? Or to a GBA? You know, that's a good question. I bet they took that animation out. Because it's on Xbox. I don't know. I seem to remember that being a cameo. It was a big deal. I ran a story about it or something. Huh. I don't know. 
can't even remember when the remake came out. It was surely before the DS came out, so it was probably mm. a Game Boy Color. You know, I think the I think the Conquer remake actually came out in early two thousand five. It was one of the last uh, Xbox games released by Microsoft before they started converting everything to three sixty. Which is ironic since that was a conversion of a late N sixty four game. Yeah, which, I which mean, still took like a year and a half or two years to make. Yeah, well, I mean, it uh, Conquer. Yeah, the remake is is a mess too. Really? I mean, it's, it's actually more censored than the N64 version. <laughs> That's and, great. And it's, which is really ironic, considering the original title for the remake was Conquer Live and Uncut. <laughs> and yeah, they had to change the they, name because they felt they were lying. Right. Their, their plan was to make it completely uncensored. But then Microsoft was like, no, you don't, for whatever reason. And... Um, so they actually had to put the censoring back in, and there are actually some things they got away with on the N64. They're kind of like like really hardcore British slang for different sexual parts and things right. like that. It's stuff that like the average American probably wouldn't realize that it's how bad it is. Like it, The way it's used, you'd recognize that it's probably a dirty word, but you don't realize how dirty it is in British culture. And uh, Microsoft apparently w- wasn't going to have that. Anyway, it's way off topic. I'm good at that, aren't I? Well, didn't Rare do its own censoring for the most part? I mean, on the N64, didn't they publish the title themselves, technically they speaking? They did, but that was kind of before the time of... Um, that was kind of before the time of things like the F-word being allowed. It, I don't think there was ever a rule against it, but at the time, it just it was not done. Yeah. Um, now, I, I mean, I've been playing The Godfather on Wii, and they say the F word every five seconds. I mean, it's no big deal for an M-rated game to use the full spectrum of colorful language. But back in '98, uh, I guess when Conquer came out, no, that came out in like 2000. But, it, but but yeah, even back then, it just that you really didn't have that. I think the maybe the first console game that really used a lot of the F word was probably um, that Die Hard game on GameCube. Hmm. Which was like the only notable thing about it. <laughs> there you go. There we go. We walked. We start off Luigi's Mansion. And we ended up with Conquer's Bad Fur Day, and and Die Hard Vengeance or whatever it was called. <laughs> All right, let's move on before we talk more about Wonkers and Berries or whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't know. you have some idea what this game is, Johnny. I think, I hope everyone listening at least knows the game series, the franchise now. Uh-oh. I'm not completely sure about which game in the series it is, but I have a couple guesses about that. Give us the question and I'll narrow it down. Who do you play as in this game's second quest? Hmm, Okay. Hopefully, everyone's grandpa by now knows that this is a Castlevania game. I would hope so, yeah. Um, but take a stab at which one it is, Johnny? 
Um, see, the problem is your hint question could apply to every Castlevania game released in the past ten years. I know. So, very cleverly done, sir. Um, I'm going to guess Aria of Sorrow. It's not a bad guess. It's it's wrong, but it it's not a bad guess. Uh, okay. It's Dawn of Sorrow. Dawn, okay. Yeah, Aria so was that, the I mean, they game. obviously have, they have similar... Um, Similar music, yeah. Right, I think the DS has better music, partially because the hardware. It does. I'm not sure that your recordings actually captured the quality of the DS music, but um, well, that's why. I mean, that's why it was hard for me to differentiate. Right, especially you're, you're listening over Skype, so yeah, it feels unaware. Exactly. Um, yeah, hopefully it'll sound a little better on the podcast. It should. Um, so now that you know what game it is, can you answer the question? Well, in the second quest, you play as three different characters, all from Castlevania Three. That would be Alucard, and Trevor Belmont, and Sypha Belnades. You don't get to play as Grant. I think you got some of the names wrong, but you got the idea. It's Julius Belmont. It's Julius Mode. Yoko Belnades, or however it's pronounced. Oh, but that's right, because they're all, like, descendants. Right. Well, like, Al- Alucard is Alucard, right. obviously, but the other two are descendants of the characters from Castlevania Three. Alucard was in that's Castlevania why. Three. Yeah. That's his, that's his debut. Oh, okay. See, I really don't know uh, Castlevania lore, especially the, the old-fashioned Castlevania, which I really can't stand. Well, um, Three is the, is the dawn of when Castlevania became great. Maybe I've never played three then, because I, I know I've played it's, one and two parts of it and and cringe. Yeah, I played two, four. Two is, I still didn't really well, like it. But three, I think, is better than four. Honestly, four is a lot like the first Castlevania. It's just fancier. Mm-hmm. But three actually was like really epic. You had four different playable characters, and you had branching story paths. So like you could you get to the end of a level and you could choose. Which which level to take next, and it would take you down mm. a different part of the game. Um, you, it was just, yeah, it was really cool stuff. Um, it's it's really it, as far as game design, a lot more advanced than four. It's more like the later games in terms of the the uh, the depth of gameplay. Although it's not an RPG like Symphony of the Night and the later ones. I wouldn't really classify the more recent Castlevania games as RPGs, but they have more RPG elements to them. Right, and there's none of that in Castlevania three. But it's still a pretty sophisticated game for NES. Mm. Hopefully, it'll be on Virtual Console soon. Konami's supporting Virtual Console very well, so I'm, I'm sure it'll it'll show up eventually. Yeah, well, you never know how long that stuff's gonna take. The first Castlevania just came out. Yeah, and you think that Nintendo's trying to dole them out? You know, it's like, well, we're, we're gonna give a good game every few weeks, and that'll make them happy. But then you see weird things like two Ninja games coming out at the same time. You're like, has this been coordinated? <laughs> What's going on here? Cool, clearly not. Uh, so <laughs> clearly not coordinated at all. So yeah. that's kind of frustrating because I know they have tons of good games out there, even just Nintendo published games, and it's like they're yeah. they're waiting until Wii is completely dead, and then they can release the good games or something. I mean, <laughs> well, no, I think it's more a matter of like, I mean, if I was Konami, I wouldn't release Castlevania three no. first because then nobody would buy Castlevania one or two. Well, <laughs> so. Nintendo kind of pioneered the. Uh, the scheme with their Mario Advance games, uh, <laughs> where they they calculated well, which ones they really thought people wanted the most, and which one would be the least popular, and they released them in that right, order. Right, that's what Does I think. Understand? Yeah, because it's totally random order. What they went, they went Super Mario Brothers two, and then World, mm-hmm. and then Yoshi's Island, and then Super Mario Brothers three, the most popular game of all time. Right. 
Is it, 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 it really, literally is the highest selling game of all time, Super Mario Brothers 3. If you don't include pack-ins for exactly. the Exactly, and, and that's Mario not really Brothers. fair. If you do include that, then Super Mario Brothers is the, is the best selling game of all time. Single version, I mean. So that was Castlevania, and, and I have to say I liked... Uh, <laughs> Once again... Yeah, so... Ca- <laughs> <laughs> My issue with... It's an epidemic. Yeah. Anyway, I like the Donosaur a lot more than Portrait of Ruin, but I know some people don't like the the varied weapon system of Arya and Don of Sorrow. I don't know. I, I thought the port... The, they don't like the weapons or the souls? I, probably both, but uh, to me, that they they go hand in hand. But, um, hmm. I mean, that Portrait of Ruin, I, I guess they didn't like the soul because they liked Portrait of Ruin more, and I really did not like Portrait of Ruin. It was, it was fun, well, I... but I thought the level design was pretty shoddy compared to the Don of Sorrow. It is. Uh. Yeah, Portrait of Ruin, um, I like it. I like it plenty. But I I don't think it's as good as Dawn of Sorrow. And part of it is the level design, because the fact that they had these portraits that sent you off in a little, little side worlds, mm-hmm. you know, it makes the game big, but it but not in a good way, because they basically, it, it allowed them to get really lazy with the level design, whereas in the previous games, all the different parts of the castle have to fit together somehow. Right. And they have to fit into the overall structure of when you get new powers that give you access to areas you couldn't get to before, etc. But the portraits basically allow them to just go off on these tangents, and it it just really screws up the flow of the gameplay. I mean, I like that they're trying new things, but I just don't think that one worked out. Especially well. since like they basically rehash the same worlds again and near the end, mm-hmm. and it's like you know the one big plus of the ports like well you can have a lot of variety, right? Well, well, no. They, mm-hmm. they use the same four backgrounds again, in the same general feel, you know. So yeah, and, and to me, the portraits. It seemed like a lot of them basically sent you to the same types of places that you found, just in different areas of the castle in the earlier mm-hmm. games. I mean, they weren't drastically different. You didn't go to like a snow place, and and especially for which one? Isn't portrait the one that supposedly took place during World War Two? Yeah. You'd think one of those portraits might take you to a battlefield where there's a battle going on or something really, really different for the series. And it's none of that. It just takes you to to the dungeon, and the other takes you to the town where there's no people. And the other, you know, all that stuff has been done before. So it's it's not nearly as innovative as they tried to make it out to be. And now we've talked about Castlevania, so we can move on. Yeah, yeah. It's our last game of the evening.
think I recorded this myself, so you can blame that on me. gotta say, uh, if you haven't played this game, you're totally gonna be way off on what game this is. Probably. That's why I picked it. But the second... I'll, I'll talk about the second song and what it reminded me of later. I don't want to give any fake hints okay. or whatever. Well, we, we do have uh, oh. a legitimate hint here. And uh, here's a question. In this game, what do smart bombs do? I guess you can infer from that that they do something... Thank you. 
Isn't that cool? It is, but I apologize on Johnny's behalf for all the distortion. He was young. He didn't know what he was doing when he recorded these. I didn't hear the distortion, but again, maybe that's Skype. It, it could be my headphones. Oh, They're pretty it could crappy, be that too. honestly. Yeah, I, it's, I played this file on my computer before I sent it over to you, and it sounded fine, so... All right, and then it's probably just my yeah. crappy headphones. Anyway, uh, should we give the answer to the game? Well, I think most people can probably figure that it's a puzzle game. Would you agree? They'd probably think it's a puzzle game or another racing a game. racing game. That has kind of... Like, uh, Beetle Venture Racing kind of has oh, that kind of a right. soundtrack, yeah, too. Yeah, it does. So, and we've played a couple of racing games that have those already on podcast well, what's the so. what's the link between this game and a lot of other puzzle games and Beetle Adventure Racing? They're all developed in Europe. It has that kind of right. techno-European thing going on. Yeah, You have yeah. a point. So the, this game is uh, a puzzle game called Zoo Cube, which unfortunately not many people played. And um, it's, a, it's a very interesting game. Um, you can find it on GameCube probably, probably for next to nothing these days. Um, there's also a version on GBA, and I haven't played that one, so I really don't know how good it is. Um, I know it uses basically pre-rendered sprites based on the 3D models in the GameCube game. But um, you can also probably still find a free demo version uh, on the Internet to play on your PC if you want to just check it out. Um, but it's from these guys named called uh, Puzzle Kings, and Acclaim published this a few years ago. Yeah, I know. I've had a lot of acclaim on this episode. Um, but actually, the thing that made me think of this game um, was that uh, um, one of the guys from Puzzle Kings, who who was basically re- heavily responsible for the creation of ZooCube, um, emailed me this week and was showing me some of the new things that they're working on. And right now, they're just for PC. Um, you know, maybe sometime in the future they'll end up on um, Wii or DS. I think they'd be well suited from what I've seen. I haven't actually played either one. Of, they've, they show me two new games. They're videos on YouTube if you want to do a little searching. Uh, maybe we'll put some um, links in the um, in the article for this podcast. But one is called Jungular, like jugular, the, like the like the artery, but with an N, Jungular, and it's it's kind of like a 2D version of ZooCube. As strange as that sounds, hmm. it uses all the same art, basically the same animal type blocks. Um, that when you match them up three or four at a time, they transform into animal faces that shoot out the screen and growl at you or whatever. Um, <laughs> but it, it's more like Panel to Pond, maybe. I mean, I've only seen a video, so I can't say exactly how it plays, but it seems similar to that, um, except maybe a little more flexible in the patterns that you can, you know, like it seemed like you could have blocks going like making an L shape matching mm-hmm. up and they would still count as a combo. So I'm not exactly sure how that works. But um, it looked pretty cool. Like I said, it looked kind of like a 2D version of ZooCube. And then um, the other one they showed me, which was completely different, is called Puzzle Blocks. Uh, poker Blocks. Excuse me. Poker Blocks. This one, if you like poker, um, and I guess a lot of people do, you should definitely search on YouTube or, or click the link in the article f- to watch this video. It's really cool. It, you have these blocks falling. Uh, it's, it looks like you have the typical Tetris-looking play field, and you have blocks falling from the sky, but the blocks have card symbols on them, like, you know, Ace of Spades or whatever. So they all have all these different um, numbers and suits falling down, 
and there's enough room for five of these blocks to fit across. And what happens is you're trying to make the row on the bottom of the stack be a poker hand. And the better the hand is, the more points you get, and they disappear. So the way that you move these things around uh, is that it's ba completely based on physics. So you, with your mouse, you grab a block and actually drag it and shuffle the rest of the, the rest of the blocks, move around it. So you're just reorganizing these blocks, but it's all happening in real time. So you're trying to, to, you know, obviously you're trying to move these blocks around with your mouse faster than they can fall from the sky and fill up the screen. And at the same time, you're not only rearranging these things, but you're trying to sort out, you know, what's the best hand I can make out of the blocks that are currently showing. It's really mm -hmm. cool stuff. And um, like I said, this would be really well suited to to D to a DS or Wii because both of them have really nice interfaces for pointing at particular things on the screen and dragging them elsewhere, which is what yeah. this game is all about. So anyway, um, currently those games are are not planned or not announced for Nintendo systems, but um, they may be in the future. And in the meantime, if you're a puzzle fan, you should check them out. Do they have smart bombs in them? I don't know. I mean, I've only seen YouTube videos, so I don't know exactly. But the smart bomb in ZooCube, to answer our, our hint question, um, it's, it's a little unusual. Usually you think of a smart bomb in video games as being something that clears the whole screen, right? Like in Star Fox, whatever. But right, in ZooCube, or some sort of proximity mine. Right. In, in, in ZooCube, a smart bomb gets rid of one level of blocks that are adjacent to the ZooCube itself in the center of the screen. So basically, they're not nearly as powerful as they are in, in most other games. So in ZooCube, can you, you re-explain that? I don't understand what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, so in ZooCube, you have a cube in the middle with six sides, and you can rotate it in all three axes. Right. And you have, along those six axes, you have blocks coming in from the sides of the screen and you're trying to rotate the cube so that you catch these these blocks so that they match up two or three in a row and then they disappear so mm -hmm. you the game ends if this if the stack on any one of the six sides gets out too too far towards the edge of the screen right right so a smart bomb lowers that stack by one unit but it does it on all six faces so it's kind of so it shaves kind off of an, the tallest the tallest. No, it shaves uh, off stack, the lowest one. Show, it shaves off the lowest level, the one that's oh, closest oh, okay. to the middle. Yeah. So it raises all rows by. I mean, it lowers all all sides. All stacks all, by one. By yeah. one. So if yeah. you, it's funny because if you have one stack that's really long and the rest of them are pretty short, the smart bomb is not really all that great. You know, because yeah. it only it only reduces your one long stack by one, and the rest of them didn't really need the help. So, but when it's useful is when you have several that are getting kind of big and you're worried about being able to manage them all. You can use a smart bomb and knock them all down by one level. I remember when I was playing and reviewing ZooCube, a lot of times I would use two or three smart bombs. and I think you get three on every level. And a lot of times I would use them all at once when I got in a really nasty situation. Because it's the, the effect of one of them in a lot of situations is really not all that great. So you kind of have to combine them. Hmm to get out of a jam. So there's all you ever wanted to know about ZooCube. And uh, Puzzle King's upcoming games, too. Yeah. But obviously, I like the music a lot, and that's why uh, I recorded that a few years ago when I was playing it. That was more than a few years ago, I'm sure, now. ZooCube? Mm, it was an early GameCube title. Three or four years ago, at least. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. 
<sighs> Alright, well, uh, I think we're almost done here. Uh, remember, uh, if you have a game you want us to play, uh, we'll play it as a third song if we like it, or third game if we like it. Um, you can specify a question if you want. Be sure to provide the name you want us to to say if, if you want us to say who you are on the radio. Um, can't think of anything else to say, so... I think I've said plenty. Well, we have a song here for you. Well, for those that aren't aware of why that's so special to us, that was uh, one of the featured songs in our famous DVD from way back when. Yeah. That's, of course, from um, OC Remixes, and as was all of the music in our in our old E3 2002 DVD. All right, that was Super Buck Jazz, uh, remixed by Stratosphere. So... Remember to send in your questions, or, yeah, questions too if you got them, but send in your game requests. We got a few last week, and, and obviously I chose Luigi's Mansion, so keep them coming. I wonder why. Hey, oh yeah, Luigi! Anyway, um, <laughs> let's get out of here. Bye. Yeah. 
sayonara. Mario Golf Toadstool Tour is copyright 2003 Camelot Nintendo. Turok Dinosaur Hunter is copyright 1997 Acclaim. Luigi's Mansion is copyright 2001 Nintendo. Castlevania Dinosaurus is copyright 2005 Konami. Zookeep is copyright 2002 Puzzle Kings.